0: super fired up super excited about everything that the lord is doing uh before i get into my message mom and dad wanted me to send their love to everyone today they are in uh, at High Praise Crestview, ministering this weekend. Uh, Mom ministered yesterday for their ladies' group, and then Dad's preaching today for their church. Uh, and they just wanted to tell everybody that they love y'all and miss y'all. But we're excited about the word. We're excited to start a new series today entitled Family Matters. How many you know Family Matters, amen? There's, there's two ways that you could kind of interpret this title for this series. Family Matters, in that family is important. Somebody say amen. I believe family's important. Come on, how many believe family's important? And then there's another way you can interpret in family matters, in the matters and that which pertains to family. We're gonna talk about both of those things over the next uh, several weeks. Uh, go ahead and grab your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 19. Uh, while you're turning there, uh, the the screen for this might look a little bit familiar if you're an 80s, 90s kind of person from the kind of the golden era of sitcoms on TV, and and I I was really thinking about this last night whenever I was preparing, and uh, in that era, not that it was perfect, and I I think you do have to be careful always thinking of things about the good old days, because the good old days had problems too. Can somebody say amen? The good old days sometimes weren't as good old as you thought they were, Uh, but, Whenever I was growing up on, on TV, you always had, uh, of course, on Friday nights, I think it was on ABC, you had TGIF. You remember TGIF? And you had a whole block of sitcoms. All right, Mar- Marcus is like, yes. They had a whole block of sitcoms. And one of the interesting things about most of those sitcoms is they were incredibly family-focused. They were very focused on a family or a set of families, and it was them overcoming obstacles and trials, and there was always a, they were incredibly formulaic, right? They would start, there would be some sort of issue that would arise, and at the end of that 30 minutes, by the end, the family had resolved their problems. Don't know what I'm talking about? But you know, one of the interesting things about that whole uh, uh, era and all of those shows is at the end of the day whatever the problem that the family faced the family resolved their issues listen if you're in a family which you are (laughs) if you're alive you're in a family but especially if you're married if you have children I can promise you something You are going to have problems and issues that arise. And every stage of life has its own unique set of issues and problems. But your family was ultimately meant to work through and sort through whatever your issues are and come out stronger on the other side. Can somebody say amen? You were intended to work through with the Lord and solve your problems and come out better on the other side. So for this month, we're going to be talking a lot about family, about issues that face family. But today, I want to talk about the importance of family. Matthew chapter 19, verse 1, it says this. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And a great multitude followed him and he healed them there. Verse three, it's always interesting. Jesus was always healing people. And sometimes we just get this like one sentence. They followed Jesus and he healed them. But Jesus is always healing people, amen? Verse three, then the Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Verse four, and he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother. And be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Say one flesh. So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Now get this. Therefore what God has joined together. Let no man separate. Let not man separate what God has put together. So in our text here in scripture what happens is the Pharisees are always looking to try to trip up Jesus. They're always trying to mess him up. They're always trying to get him to say something that they feel he shouldn't say so they can then go to everybody and say, see, see, he doesn't know the law. See, he got the answer wrong. See, he's not, he can't be the son of God because he doesn't even know what God has said. They're always trying to trip him up. And I love Jesus and the way that he handles these situations so much. Because the Pharisees come and say, hey, Jesus, what do you think about divorce? And Jesus goes, hey, in the beginning, God created them male and female. And Jesus doesn't even immediately answer the question. He ultimately will go into an answer. And that's not really the focus of, our, uh, of the message today. But Jesus immediately just says, listen, you don't even understand what you're asking because you have to go back to the, uh, to the design and the order that God created things in to even understand the question to begin with. Jesus is always going back to the root of the issues. So many people want to deal with the fruit, but if you don't deal with the root, you're going to keep getting incorrect fruit. If you refuse to go to the root of issues, you will never solve the fruit of the issue. And so often we want to deal with fruit, and Jesus is always saying, no, 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 no. We've got to go to the root. The root of the issue is you are not following the order that God set out to begin with. The root of the issue is you are ignoring the archetype and doing whatever you want to do anyways. And that's why your family is encountering issues and problems. The Pharisees are caught up on divorce trying to trip Jesus up and Jesus says, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning. And this is the reality. If God created marriage at the beginning, then marriage must be pretty important. If God created the family at the beginning, then family must be pretty important. As a matter of fact, turn back to Genesis 1 real quick. How many know that if God created it, it must be important? You may not fully understand the importance. You may not fully comprehend why it's so important. But if God made it and if God ordered it, then it is obviously of importance. Genesis 1, says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. What? Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, what? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have what? What? Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. One thing that's important to remember as we begin to talk about family this month is simply this. God created the family. God created marriage. Understand this. The state did not create marriage. Therefore, the state cannot define marriage, because the only thing that can define it is what originally created it. So the only thing that can actually define marriage is the one who was the originator. And the originator was God. Therefore, no matter how hard the state may try to define marriage, the state cannot define or redefine marriage. God said that marriage was made between a man and a woman. And the church said, that was kind of weak. I said, God said that marriage was between a man and a woman. And by the way, between one man and one woman, not between one man and multiple women or one woman, woman and multiple men. Between one man and one woman is how God created it. That is the archetype that he laid out for us and said, this is the way it is. It's not between a man and a man, a woman and a woman. It's not polyamorous. It is between one man and one woman. And the church says, that's a little bit better. Thank you all. That's how God created it. He showed us his perfect model with Adam and Eve. And this is the reality. The model is one man and one woman for one lifetime. And that's how God intended for it to be. Now listen, I want to make sure I'm clear. If you've been divorced, if you've been through a divorce, I'm not here throwing a stone at you. There is mercy, there is grace, there is forgiveness, and also there are biblical reasons for divorce. Amen? It got real heavy all of a sudden. Y'all got real quiet on me. But here's the reality, if you are married now and they're born again, work through it and stick with the one you've got. All right, thank you all four of you for your enthusiasm with that. Whenever, uh, many, many moons ago when Miranda and I were, uh, were dating, which we didn't date for very long, when we were dating, and uh, I remember going to my dad And I said, hey, I really am thinking about asking Miranda to marry me. What do you think? And he looked at me and goes, that's your choice. Not mine. My my dad was very, and is still very non-interferal with with those kind of things. He said, but this is the one thing I'm going to tell you, son. This is the one thing I'm going to tell you. When you say I do, you're done. So you better make sure, and she better make sure that this is what y'all want. He goes, Miranda's a beautiful young lady and loves the Lord. He goes, but you better make sure, and she better make sure, because whenever y'all get married, that's it. Game over. She's stuck with you. (laughs) And that's the way God intended it to be. One man, one woman for one lifetime. Now, why did God create marriage? Why did he create the family? God doesn't do anything without purpose. Was it simply to give a team in the earth? No. Even though the marriage team, I believe, is the greatest team that is ever made. And I think dad's going to talk about that a little bit more next week. Was it simply so man could have a companion? No. Even though it's a lot better for the bed to be warm at night? Praise God. (laughs) Was that you, Bruce? I should have known. Should have known. In all seriousness, though, (laughs) there should be some intimacy in your marriage. Y'all don't get weird on me now. There should be a little bit of fire in the bedroom. Can somebody say amen? Y'all don't, some people don't hear about this in church, but this is, this is the truth. People get weird. Oh, I don't know if I want my kids to hear this. Your kids have already heard this. They're hearing this every day when they go to school, but they're oftentimes hearing it in the wrong way. And if the church doesn't talk about it in the right way, then all they're ever going to learn is the wrong way. And if they learn the wrong way, then that's what they're going to emulate. Hannah Lee will see me. I'll give. I'll. I'll walk up and and give Miranda a kiss, and she'll go gross. I said, "That's okay. You can say gross all you want. I'd rather you see it exemplified in front of you the right way." the way that a husband and a wife should relate to each other, and you're 10 and you think it's gross right now, but somewhere you're going to remember, one, that dad treated mom with respect, and dad showed love towards mom, so if any joker comes along and tries to not show you respect, they're going to know that ain't the way. Well, praise God. Husbands, you better treat... Husbands and men, if you have... Little girls, you better treat your wife the way that you would want a man to one day treat her. Because more often than not, they're going to find somebody who's similar to you. That's, that can go one of two ways. It's either going to scare you. And if it does scare you, then you need to Change. But they're going to find somebody who is similar. And they're going to be drawn to what has been exampled in front of them their entire lives. Anyways, what was I going to say? I was back to my main point here. My, my sub-main point, put it that way. There should be some fire in the bedroom. This is the reality. The first thing that God did. I want you to think about this. Whenever God created man and woman in his own image. The first thing he told them to do. The very first command that God gives man and woman is what? Be fruitful and multiply. Now, it's a room full of adults, mainly, and some middle and high school kids who have also been to school and heard things, been taught things. There is only one way for a man and woman to be fruitful and multiply, and it's not by staring at each other. It's not by holding hands. The only way that a man and woman can be fruitful and multiply is there has to be a sexual relationship that is existent between that man and that woman. In other words, what God is saying is one of the most, the the, the first directive he gives man and woman inside a marriage is y'all better be sexually active with one another. I know y'all didn't come to church expecting to hear this today, but y'all are okay. That's what he said. I didn't say it. God said it. Y'all just read over it and thought that kids just spawned didn't work that way. doesn't work that way. You better believe that intimacy is important in your marriage. Can somebody say amen? I told somebody today I said or this week told one of our staff members I said you know it's, it's really I said I, it can sound goofy when you say it out loud but there's truth to it that intimacy between a husband and war, a husband and wife is a form of spiritual warfare. It brings unity in your home. Come on, somebody! All right, y'all are just y'all just. We'll keep moving because y'all y'all ain't about it this morning. It's the truth. You you need to be active with your spouse. We'll keep moving. Y'all are like that's enough, Pastor. So God doesn't create marriage or the family just for a companion. He creates it. And he tells us why. is to fill the earth and to subdue it and to have dominion. The word dominion there is the, it's the Hebrew word da. It literally means to rule, to have dominion, to dominate, to tread down, to cause, to dominate. God, let me put it this way. God created the family to be a force that is enforcing his kingdom in the earth. The family was intended to be a representative of him in the earth, enforcing the kingdom of God and his rule and his reign within it. This is the reality. God moves through families. Before he ever created the church, he created the family. And I believe the church is important. Somebody says amen. Church is important. But anybody who tells you that church is more important than family has moved things out of balance and out of order. Now, we don't let family manipulate, we don't let family control, we don't let family tell us you don't go to church, we don't let them do those type of things that are ungodly, but the reality is this, that it is always family is God, our family, our church. It's our relationship with the Lord, it's our family, it's our church, because this is reality. Churches can come and go, but families continue. Family is important. God created the family before he created the government. He created the family. It's amazing how many people will pray for government but won't pray for their own families. It's amazing how many people will pray for the church but won't pray for their own families. Family is important and near and dear to the heart of God. Family is the backbone of enforcing God's kingdom in the earth you have heard me say this before, but a church is only comprised of families that are doing the will of God, and a local church can never be any stronger than the family units that comprise that church. A local church will never be any stronger than the family units that comprise that church. Here in our staff, we've got staff that, that, that work hard, that are dedicated, that Do a lot of things, and I tell them, I I tell them frequently, I was like, listen, I appreciate your work. I appreciate everything you do. I appreciate all the work you put in, all the efforts you put in, but you need to make sure your family is right. You got to make sure you spend time with your family, because you're of no good to the church if your family's a mess. You're of no good as a staff member, as a pastor, as a leader. If your family is a mess, it's going to hinder what you can do when your family is hurting so the first thing that I am more concerned about in our staff in our leaders before their anointing before their ability before what they can do is their families because God is more concerned about your family than your anointing God is more concerned about the unity in your marriage than if you can preach and teach God is more concerned about are you a good parent to your kids than can you successfully run a business. The most important thing to God is your family. It's the backbone of what he's doing. Your family matters. So why do you think the enemy has come so strongly after families? Because if the enemy can undermine the family, The enemy can get a foothold in the earth. If the enemy can undermine the relationship between a husband and wife, he can get his foot in with their kids. Because you better believe that if your relationship with your spouse is hindered, it will impact your children. You can be as nice and as kind and as sweet to them as you want to. But if y'all are bickering all the time, it's going to impact them by the way, just cause you go in your room doesn't mean they don't know that you're still bickering and fighting and fussing with each other. Well, y'all just felt convicted right there. I hear a lot of people talking about how, you know, things are getting bad and the enemy's gaining traction and da da da, and I think there's some truth to that. And I also think, I think a little bit overhyped a little bit too. Honestly, I think every generation has its own set of obstacles and difficulties that every generation fights through that's the reality I hear some people talk about the good old days of the 50s and I'm like right when segregation existed (laughs) so you better believe there were still issues even though you felt like everything was okay there were people that were fighting battles that maybe you weren't having to fight but there were battles nonetheless but there are things obviously that are going on in the world today that aren't on a good path that aren't on the right road and one of the reasons that that has happened is because we have allowed the enemy to invade and pervert the family. As a matter of fact, the reality is, whenever you look at like the divorce rate, the divorce rate is just as high in the church as it is in the world. Let it not be said of us, let it not be said of us that our marriages struggle just as much as people who don't know Jesus. Because Jesus in our marriage should bring unity, should bring harmony, should bring togetherness, and not separation and division. Can somebody say amen? So when God says that he's given the family to have dominion, if I'm the enemy, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to come and try to undermine the family. But here's the thing. The Bible tells us we were given dominion over every creeping thing. Let me put it to you this way. We've been given dominion over the creeps. And if there ever was a creep, it was the enemy, the devil, El Diablo, the bad guy. He's a creep. He's a creeping thing. And you've been given dominion over him, which means you don't have to tolerate him in your family. We sang it this morning. I speak to the enemy. You can't have my family because we belong to the Lord. The enemy cannot have your family. He does not have legal access if you are bought and washed with the blood of Jesus. He does not have access to come into your family, your marriage, your children. Does that mean that you're always going to be just smooth sailing and never have issues? Absolutely not, because we are all human beings with flaws. You're married to a flawed person. Y'all, good, good job. Y'all didn't name in that. You passed the test. And you are a flawed person. None. Yes, see, y'all responded to that one. Good job. We're all flawed people with our own problems, our own issues. And any time you take two flawed people with issues and put them together, there's always going to be things that you work through. But you're called to work through those things, not just throw in the towel because you have problems or issues. Get some counseling, get some help, get somebody in your life that can speak into your marriage and your family and can help you. Find somebody, which by the way, this church is full of people who care about you, who care about your family, and who are going to tell you when you're doing something that's going to hurt your family or marriage, hey, stop doing that do this instead let me also just say this get around some people that have the type of marriage that you want to have get involved in a community group in a high praise group and get around some people with healthy marriages bible says this it says to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises let me tell you what that sometimes means It means if somebody has raised their kids and they've done it the right way and their kids are serving God and their kids are stable and their kids are having success, listen to those people. Don't listen to the advice of your next door neighbor whose kids are all jacked up and you're listening to them more than you're listening to people with a track record of success. Listen to the people who've been married and been through some things. And been through some challenges. And persevered and pushed through. Don't listen to the people who can't keep it together. I know this isn't necessarily a shout, run around the room message. But if you will apply the principles, it will produce something in your life that is worth shouting and running around the room about. Oftentimes we want the magic wand. We want somebody to say a prayer over our family and everything to be good and never have a problem again. It's not the way it works. You know generally the way a miracle in your family happens? Through you making adjustments in your own life and the way you talk and the way you act and the way you treat people and the way you talk to your kids and what you do with your time. And you make those adjustments and it begins to have have a cascading effect in your family and in your marriage. Y'all getting something out of this today? Your family has been called to walk in dominion. So once again, we've seen this onslaught against the family. In a lot of ways, we've seen the enemy win victories with rebellion and disunity, divorce, sexual confusion, jacked up marriages, we've seen all of these things happen. And we've seen all these things propagated and even celebrated in media. Just watch TV and look at all the craziness you see, right? The days of TGIF are over. And even those had problems, the chief of which generally being that the dad was normally the stupidest person on the show. Had no clue what he was talking about. But there's good news in the midst of all of this. In the midst of all of the darkness, in the midst of all the issues, there's good news. And what is this good news? That in the midst of great darkness, God always has an answer. God always has an answer. What is his answer? You know what his answer is to the earth today with all of these issues and family and all the problems and all the incorrect ideologies we see propagated? You know what the answer is? Your family is the answer. Your family is the answer. Because I believe today that what God is doing is he is raising up an army of families who are doing it the right way. To drown out all of the voices that are incorrect. To drown out all of the models that are incorrect. The way that you expose what is false is you make the real evident. The way that you drive out that which is false is you make the real louder than that which is false. Isaiah 59, 19 talks about this. When the enemy comes in. It's really interesting. In the Hebrew, there's there's not the punctuation. Punctuation was put there by by translators in the way that they felt it was best. And I'm just gonna be honest, I think in Isaiah 59, 19, they got it wrong. Because we've read it like this for years. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. But the term flood there is not a negative connotation or negative term. It is actually speaking of blessing. Israel's an agricultural society. Rain is always indicative of blessing. We've even, I, I can get on this. We've taken the scripture, well, it rains on the just and the unjust. And what we've made that to be is that bad things happen to good people sometimes just because of the world we live in. That's not what the scripture is saying. The scripture is actually saying there's times the people who are going to be unjust are going to get blessed because they're in proximity to the just. That sometimes God's going to bless you in such a way that even some people who are unjust are going to get blessed. Hmm? Are you with me? That God's going to send so much business to Kelly and Bobby Creamer at Rodeos that maybe some of their servers who aren't in the right standing with God are going to get blessed anyways, not because of them, but because of Kelly and Bobby who are just, that sometimes the unjust get blessed as well. That God's going to bless Chuck's business so much that sometimes some of his employees who may not be right with God are going to get blessed because God's blessing Chuck that's what it's talking about. It's not saying sometimes you're gonna get hurt. Because that just happens in life. Even if you're righteous, you're gonna get God's trying to hurt the unjust, and you're gonna get hurt too. It's not what he's saying. Same way in Isaiah 59:19. The enemy's not the one who comes in like a flood. When the enemy, it should be like this: when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. That God is raising up a flood of families today who are in right standing, who are righteous, who know who they are, who love each other, who actually want to be around each other who are ministering together, who are fulfilling purpose and destiny together. And as God does that, it is driving out that which isn't righteous. It's driving out that which isn't right because there is a new order. There is a new example. There is a new way that is being raised up that is in line with biblical principle that goes back to the archetype that releases blessing within the earth instead of the curse. And you're part of that. And your family's part of that. I know it may not feel like it. I know some of you go, I don't know, I don't know how in the world that could ever happen, Pastor. I don't know how that could ever happen, but I'm telling you it could happen, and it's going to happen. The word standard there, the Lord will raise up a standard. Lord means to raise up and to run away, that he's raising something up that's going to cause the enemy to run away. And I believe today God is raising up a company of strong fighting families, and they are going to be fighting each other. But they're going to be fighting off the kingdom of darkness. They're going to be storming the gates of hell. And they're going to be running off every enemy that has tried to, uh, to exalt itself against the kingdom of God. That has tried to create a new standard. And your family is the standard that God is raising up. That's establishing his kingdom and there's running the enemy off because your family is important to God and your family is gonna do great things for God and your kids are gonna do great things for God and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren and as many as the Lord our God shall call are gonna do great things for the kingdom. Your family's important, your family matters and your family is called for such a time as this to be a standard raised up to drive the enemy out. Will you stand up to your feet? Stand up to your feet, set your hands to heaven. Come on, just begin to worship him right where you're at. Come on, just begin to worship him where you're at. Father, we thank you today for every family in this place. We come against every spirit of division, of separation, of divorce. In our children, any hint of rebellion, of disunity. Father, we thank you there's a standard that's being raised up. We thank you that your spirit is invading our homes that our homes are dedicated to you. And as we do that, God, you're doing something powerful and mighty in every home in this place. I just want you to repeat after me today. Say, Father God, come on, shout it out. Say, Father God, I thank you today that you're making yourself known in my family, in my marriage, in my children, in my grandchildren. Lord, that your presence is being made evident. I thank you today for peace in my home. Thank you today for grace in my home. I thank you today for love in my home. And I thank you, Father, that I'm gonna be part of the standard that is raised up to drive out the enemy, to establish your kingdom, and to bring your dominion in our city, in our region, in our area, that my family will be harbingers of revival, that we will bring your glory in your spirit, Everywhere we go, in Jesus' mighty name, we thank you, we praise you. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you, and have a great week.